Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, back at you here as uh, we head into the home stretch. Don't forget, Leafs are playing tonight. Matthews is back. Uh, this is going to be a good one with San Jose in town. However, uh, when I've got your undivided attention here, I've got to ask you, we've been talking about dispensing government largesse, which really is just, you know, that's a proxy for spending our money. Is it money well spent? Earlier today, Ernie, uh, you were saying that uh, if there's investment in innovation and so on and so forth, and it creates or protects jobs, then it's worthwhile. Now you've got our government here in the province, as well as federally, $62.5 million in total to Maple Leaf Foods, you know, the McCain Empire, a chicken processing plant going to London. They're going to shut down the one in Brampton and here in Toronto and a third. In St. Mary's. Yeah, in St. Mary's and consolidate under one roof, uh, highly streamlined, what the Canadian Taxpayers Federation uh, deemed to be the highly innovative, uh, strategic uh, business of cutting up chickens. And so, <laughs> so they said this was folly to be spending taxpayer money on this because it's a private concern for the most part. So does it is it justifiable? Well, it's kind of ironic that the same week that GM announces they're cutting 2,300 jobs and then we're hearing now, in the, just in the last couple of days, about all the other fallout around there. Auto part manufacturers, I think uh, Martin Rea announced that they'll be closing their plant in Ajax because they do nothing but supply parts for this particular plant in Oshawa. A couple of hundred workers, it's, it, right. It, it's, it's kind of ironic that now we're going to give money to people to actually cut net 300 jobs, as I understand it, by the time they close those three plants and open the new, shiny, more innovative one in... in uh, London, which I have nothing against, but there again, are we protecting the workers that already have their jobs? And if we're going to hand out money, shouldn't there be some sort of job protection element that goes hand in hand with it? But the other question is, the company, in this case, I believe, this would have happened without a cent from taxpayers. And that's been proven. There have been a lot of studies done on corporate welfare and so on. And I know the argument is, well, other countries do it, so we're forced to, too. I, I don't believe that's true. I think there's other ways you can be attractive to, you know, to attract business to a community, to a province or a country. But in this case, I think it was just money in the garbage can. So Tax how, dollars in the my, garbage my can. My understanding of it, that there was a... Uh, the way the company framed this, that they're going to close the three plants anyway and they're going to consolidate. And the question was, are we going to consolidate in Canada? Therefore, London, Ontario was selected, or I believe it's Cleveland. Don't hold me to that, but it's certainly an American operation they have. Are we going to consolidate uh, there? And they were offered money from the states and uh, and the provincial and federal government responded by putting the money up. Whether they need it or not, you never know. I think Ernie's got the the right point, and that is, what kind of guarantees have you got? Is there some system of, that we can get our money back if these jobs don't turn out to be uh, there or only there for a couple of years and you're gone with our money? But often, Those are the things that have to be dealt with on a much tougher basis by all levels of government. That's that's Again, that's easy to say, and it's an easy point to agree with. And yet there's been many, many cases where there were strings attached, and they closed the plant, left, and, the, you know, it's very hard to... 
get money from a you know a ghost, <laughs> which is sure. you know. McCain, so I mean, even McCain's those so-called are guarantees are very vulnerable. So. You know, there, yeah, there I, are no I, I think if you're going to do that, you almost have to come up with some sort of a a bond system or uh, a line of credit that you leave, and we're scooping the fifty million bucks. Well, even GM, they paid that, back. They this, paid yeah. back a, a considerable amount of the bailout, not right. all of it. And then Trudeau, just back in June of this year, forgave the remaining amount of money. Uh, so, but some of it was, you know, a goodly portion of it was paid back. Right, but the point is that uh, you know. The conservative government here in the province sort of betrayed the conservative orthodoxy. No, you know, corporate welfare. Yep. And so I suddenly uh, they're singing off the same hymn sheet as Kathleen Wynne and Dalton McGuinty. Yeah, I was quite uh, surprised uh, when which, I heard it. Which conservative government hasn't? Well, okay. Done that. Uh, look in Saskatchewan. Look in Manitoba. Look in Alberta. The former government, Ralph Klein, gave away. Tens of millions of dollars. To well, the, it's inevitable then. What you're saying is that's a pragmatic approach of, to governance. That's part of an economy is to be able to partner with the uh, public sector and to ensure everybody has a, a, a stake in the game. I'm nothing against you know, 3P partnerships. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. But you have to be able to protect the, the taxpayer's interest when you're doing it. All right. Somebody brought up Alberta. I believe it was you, Buzz, a second ago. And yep. I wanted to speak to this because Alberta, we mentioned it sort of in passing in the last uh, segment or two, that, uh, you know, the oil sands, they're not getting any love or not the same way as the uh, GM plant closure here is. But Rachel Notley, she was up in Ottawa today, and uh, she says it's perverse that we're selling our oil in Alberta for 10 bucks a barrel while on the East Coast we're importing from the Saudis. Listen. As we deal with uh, the, uh, the delays that we are seeing on pipelines, we cannot sustain, and the economy cannot sustain, and I'm not just talking about Alberta's economy, I am definitively talking about the Canadian economy, we cannot sustain a $10 a barrel price for Western Canadian select. Right, because we can't get at the Tidewater. That's the point. If we could, we'd be drawing international prices. But right now, the States has got us over a barrel, literally and figuratively. <laughs> and uh, what she also went on to say is Alberta's losing to their economy $80 million a day because the product is not getting to market. And what she wants to do is have a 1,000 rail cars delivering it because the pipeline is not getting built, as we know. The Trudeau response to that is we bought the pipeline for $4.5 billion and we're going to get it built so you don't need the rail cars. So uh, you tell me uh, who's right on this as, tar as far as priorities are concerned, Buzz. Rail cars make a great deal of sense no matter uh, the statement of Trudeau that we're eventually going to build the pipeline. You still need in the interim a way to get our oil and we've got an already system in place. All we got to do is add some cars and add some uh, locomotives to it and ship it. That's what we should be doing. She's absolutely a, right. It's a dangerous, dangerous way to do it, though. That's, a, a, you know, it's the riskiest well, it's way to transport it. it's proven to be it. not half as dangerous as the pipelines. We've had more accidents and and, and uh, uh, why are you shaking your head? Major because problem. it's not true. Because when you consider the volume that's shipped by a pipeline, <laughs> not me that wrote rail that. is. <laughs> uh, why are you shaking your head, Buzz? <laughs> it's not me that wrote it. <clears throat> and by the way, Buzz, I just did a quick Google search, and Jerry Diaz has come out very definitively against many, many pipelines. So uh, do do a quick search yourself, and and you might see Northern Gateway, for example, and uh, Energy East, he, and he so may, on. He may have come out against a he pipeline, did. but he, he did. is supporting. Uh, the the major pipelines that they want to run to the west coast so they 
That's the well, quickest one they can support get Northern built. Gateway, which was one of those pipelines. In any way, in any case, I think the real issue here is that the federal government is totally ragging the puck on this. They have no intentions of. Uh, they're not funding rail cars because they don't want. They they don't care. They really don't care. Um, and they and they, we know that. Jerry, so what is it? We know that Jerry Butts is. You know his, as you alluded to, John. His p- history is all the green sector, and they want to appease their greeny base. And again, Alberta. I mean, if it was Ontario or Quebec that was in the same shoes as Alberta, we'd have a whole different ball game because of liberal <laughs> votes. So they're willing to beggar the Canadian economy, seemingly on ideological grounds. Yep, I think they are. Okay. Well, I think I think on political grounds, partially for sure. I mean. This is one thing Buzz and I have agreed upon. You know, we've been talking about this here for well over a year, the pipeline issue. Uh, I think it's ludicrous that you have a country that's self-sufficient in oil and petroleum products, and you can't get it from one side of the country to the other. The rest of the world must just sit there and laugh at us. It's ridiculous. So get, screw up some political courage and get the thing built. And we have all these uh, U.S.-funded environmental groups that do their darndest to uh, landlock Canadian oil while um, the U.S. is is tending toward being self-sufficient in energy because of all their fracking and everything else. This is just not uh, the current government's problem. Harper couldn't get the thing built either, so the conservative government couldn't get it done. Well, that's because there were all these environmentalists who and activists who were stalling the operation. Same Joel, thing as now. Is, Joel is that a legitimate argument? No, because I, I mean, so. they did enough uh, of this testing and so on and so forth, uh, the consultations. Joe Oliver, I remember when he was the energy minister, he said, like, uh, one consultation and project moves forward. Now you got about a dozen of them. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, dovetailing with this is the story that recently the United Nations came out with a report that said, uh, we're not living up to our 2015 Paris Agreement targets. We're not even close to matching those. So what do we do, Buzz? Do we double down now and impose even stricter uh, carbon tax regime here uh, and make sure, you know, we burn less fossil fuels and carbon emissions and things I don't, like that? I don't think that's a solution at this point. You'd have to look at this and see if there's any other way that we can contribute more. Uh, because it is a problem. If you look at uh, Sydney, Australia today, they had a month's worth of rain in two hours. The whole major part of that city is flooded today. These things aren't by chance. You can't just keep letting this happen and not put a plan in place to deal with it. And we have to be part of that. Well, the, the UN also said no other country is going to make that is signed on to the Paris, you know, agreement are going to meet their obligations either. So, I think that just shows that there's an awful lot of, you know, governments who love to go to a place like Paris or whatever on the taxpayers' dime, sign these lofty agreements, get credit for it, and then do absolutely nothing to actually because the goals are unrealistic. You'd have to hobble the economy horrendously, and I'm with Buzz on this one. You would have to inflict so much pain on people uh, that it's it's totally unrealistic. It's interesting that the U.S. is doing better than any of the countries that signed But that's on, fracking. And they just withdrew. They're, they're well, replacing exactly. coal power with fracking, which is way more environmentally friendly. Emission standards. Exactly. Well. And so they're, they're achieving results. And in Canada, there's a lot of places that could, New Brunswick is a good example, that, that has potential for fracking. And that, again, the greenies don't want to do that, so they've bowed down to them. So we have an opportunity to do that kind of stuff like the U.S. is doing, and we're choosing not to do it. Well, it's just a market response in the states. The market basically has moved them to a lower emissions uh, regime. Isn't that interesting, Buzz? Didn't need any government uh, decree or fiat. Well, no, I don't think that's fair. There's been a lot of government funding went into uh, the words that's been done in the United States. Remember, uh, 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 what's his name, Trump? He just came along, you know. <laughs> 
not even two years. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of government. The Obama government put a lot of money in there. The Bush, uh, and and uh, so did uh, 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 Clinton. Others have put a lot of money in that over the years when we were lagging. You, by the way, didn't go to the Clintons. Bill and Hillary you were at the Scotiabank Arena last night. No, no, I, I couldn't get a seat. That was in the it was front only, row. Only eighty-three percent. It was only eighty odd percent empty. It was. It was. I think cavernous. of the perversity of these green groups, the ones that are funding, hobbling our energy sector in Canada and fighting things like fracking, don't do it in the U.S. And and they're ending up with better environmental results than us. What what a perverse state of affairs. Let's come back. One final segment. I've got to talk about the housing crisis here in Toronto. We'll see how you guys react to uh, some of the latest stats. That's Buzz Hargrove, Catherine Swift, Ernie Eves on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.